Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, Hope Church. If you're watching online, you guys are the smart ones today. Staying home, I hope you're like curled up in your PJs watching with a warm beverage. But uh, for those of you who made it here in person, uh, kudos to you. You guys are brave. Um, I think if I had a choice, I might be watching from home today. But here I am. My name is Carrie, and for those who don't know me, I am one of the teachers here at Hope, and if I haven't met you yet, I would love to have that opportunity sometime today or in the future. Um, We are, as the series uh, video just showed, we're in the middle of a series called In Christ, and we're talking through the book of Ephesians, which is a really amazing book. Um, And I would encourage you, we're not going to be going you know, verse by verse through this whole book. But this is something where you could read through this um, this book on your own. I think it's only six chapters, so it's not this massive, overwhelming commitment. And then as you read through, I know that God's gonna give you insight and wisdom for yourself as you, as you read and understand more. So I would encourage and challenge you to do that. Um, And Tom talked last week about how Ephesians is really divided into kind of two sections. We have the first section that deals more with what we believe, kind of the theology, and then the second half is more practical application. How how does what we believe apply to our lives? And he's so, you know, humorously tied it into what about Bob and said, you know, what about Bob? And if you've seen that movie, the character, what he believes directly impacts the way that he lives and how he uh, proceeds in everyday life. And... I would also say that there are some times where what we believe and how we act maybe don't match up. And so whenever we find a discrepancy between what we're believing and how we're living, it's an opportunity for God to either show us maybe maybe what we're believing is not right, or maybe something that we're we're living out is not in line with, with God's heart, with the truth that we know. And so again, it's this opportunity to come to him and say, what do you want to do? How do you want to shift my life? And... This is why it's so important for us to look at what we believe and why we believe it. And I would say one of the most important pieces, if not the most important piece of theology that we can ask ourselves about is, who is God? Who is he? What's his character? What is, what is he like? And then who am I in relation to him? Who is God and who am I in relationship to him? And so I want to ask you a question as we start out today. Um, about what you believe about God. And I want you just to sit for one minute and think if maybe a picture comes to mind for you. When you think about God, what is that image that comes to mind? I'm gonna give you a second. Cue the Jeopardy music. Is there any kind of image that comes to mind for you? And I, want to, I don't wanna to put too many ideas in your head, but I do have some slides to show you, and maybe some of these are something that you could relate with. Maybe when you think of God, you just picture him as like this massive being in the sky that's just, you know, huge and ready to crush you at any moment if you do something wrong. Maybe that's the picture you get. Or maybe for you, maybe it's this. Maybe you have this image of God as like a a father holding his son or daughter's hand, I don't know, maybe that's what comes to mind for you. Maybe, maybe for you, you kind of have this image of God, almost like just this pristine image that you'd get from maybe being in church your whole life. Um, maybe you think of Jesus. Maybe that's sort of like your connection point. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe for you this is a, um, 
something that is more what you're thinking. It's maybe something that's where God is, you know, blaming the finger. You just picture him like accusing you and criticizing and waiting for you to make a mistake. I don't know if that's your thought of God. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's something a little bit more abstract. Maybe when you think of God, it's more like, ah, just a concept, kind of like light or something positive or I don't know. And I'm not here to tell you exactly, exactly what your picture of God should be, but I will say this. I will say that for myself, for each one of us, at different points in our lives, without realizing it, we may have an incorrect view of God and his character. Sometimes our picture of God in our mind doesn't fully match up with the real God, with, with who God actually is. Now, we may experience God in different ways at different times in our lives, definitely in different seasons. Last year, we talked through a book or a series called I Am, and we met Jesus. We met God in, in different, um, the different names of God and how sometimes we, we need God as healer or rescuer or sustainer. So we know God in different ways throughout our lives, and yet there are some pictures of God that we have that simply do not line up with him. And so I'm hoping that by the end of the message today, that maybe God allows us to shift a little bit of our, our thinking, our mental picture of him closer to his real character, his real heart. So we're going to be reading today in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 4 through 10. So if you want to read along in your Bible, if you want to read along on um, whatever, whatever version of the Bible works for you, um, we're going to start there. And then I'm going to kind of break that passage apart and Hopefully, again, we'll see more of what God's heart for us is in these passages. So it starts out, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. You notice all this like rich imagery, freely given, lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So I really like this passage, and I know there's a lot of like maybe big words, a lot of um, church words that we use here. Um, and I know Tom is going to be dissecting a little bit more of some of those as well. Uh, but I want to I kind of go through this passage, and honestly, we're just going to go through like the who, what, when, where, why, how of this whole passage and talk about what it really means for us. So first of all, what is, I would say, the key theme of this passage? I would say this, the key theme is that we have adoption to sonship. We have adoption to sonship. Okay, now if you, if you are a man, maybe this escapes you, but as a woman reading this passage, I'm like, all right, God, uh, can we have a side note over here? Are you, saying, are you saying that only men can be adopted? What is this adopted to sonship? What about women? Um, and it's interesting because when I looked up adoption in the New Testament, at least in my version, the NIV that I'm using, um, adoption always comes within the phrase adoption to sonship. So you're going to see it in Romans 8.15, Romans 8.23, Romans 9.4, and Galatians 4.5 all talk about adoption to sonship. And so we might be a little tweaked or we might be a little concerned, like what does God mean? 
But I do not believe that God is saying here that only males can be saved. That's not consistent with what we see in the whole of scripture. In fact, I believe that what Paul is actually saying is quite the, quite the opposite. He is referring to what in, for Rome, Paul was a Roman citizen. And in Roman, ancient Roman times, there were specific laws uh, around inheritance, around um, who could become an heir. So there were people, maybe in, um, in the aristocracy, for instance, wealthy people who didn't have a male child of their own, and they would adopt a male child so that they would have someone to pass on their inheritance, their name to, because the laws were very specific. And so what I believe that Paul is actually saying here is that all of us, when we believe in God, when we choose to follow him, regardless of age, race, gender, ethnicity, whatever, all of us are adopted to sonship, meaning we have the full legal rights and inheritance of a male heir. And that is a powerful legal statement. God is saying, I love you so much that each one of you is, is completely mine, 100%, and you have the full rights. You have the full rights to my name and to my inheritance. I think that's really powerful. Um, secondly, uh, oh, so sorry, Romans 8.17 kind of solidifies this for us. It says, if we are children, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So again, this puts a whole nother like, picture to it that not only, we're not only heirs of God, we're co-heirs with Christ. Again, you, you might think of Christ as being the one like, that has all, the, all the, the blessings from God, but God is saying, no, you're, you're like brothers of Christ, brothers and sisters, and you have, have this equal standing before me as, as Christ which is a part of the mystery that we're unpacking today. Um, the second thing I want to bring up is, okay, we, we have this inheritance in Christ, but you may think of the word adoption and think, okay, maybe, maybe for some people there's a stigma around adoption. Maybe, maybe for you, you think, oh, well, you know, that's sort of like, feels like a second plan. Like, well, are we not as important as, as the other children? And I just have to say, as someone who has adopted myself, that is so far from the truth. I am one of four kids, and um, I'm not saying I'm an oops child, but I was born 15 months after my brother, so it was pretty quick. And I do not think that my parents were expecting another child that quickly. And I have now four kids of my own, and if you know, I've got, we, we were fostering one, and I have two biological, and we were able to adopt a third. Um, and just in my experience as an adoptive parent, I have never heard another adoptive parent say like, oops, we adopted don't know how that happened, right? It doesn't happen because when you want to adopt a child, you have to be so intentional. You know, before you even meet that child, before you're even like, you're committed. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start classes. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. When we went to adopt our child, um, we had to go through again, like the info classes. And then you have someone come to your house, a stranger, to make sure your house is clean enough. Like which one, has, have any of you recently invited a stranger to your house to see if it's clean enough? No, no hands, right? Why would you do that? Unless you have a really important reason, unless you have, uh, like you're so committed to something, it matters to you. And so we said, okay, we'll have the stranger come. We're gonna do all these things. We're gonna check off all these boxes because we already love this child that we've never met. That doesn't, it's not biologically ours, but we 
are so excited about him. And, and there was something about that preparation time that no, I didn't go through an actual labor and delivery. Um, yeah, I can't blame, can't blame my third child for any stretch marks. Gray hairs, yes, gray hairs, definitely him. But, uh, but there was a different kind of delivery process and waiting and prayerful anticipation of that child. And so I believe, again, when God says that we are adopted, he looked at each one of us and said, I see you and I am intentionally pursuing you. And I will come after you no matter the cost. I don't care what it takes because I want you for my child. And so never, never believe that you are second best or second plan. No, God says that he loves you so much that he will pursue you. That, in fact, is the story of the Bible as a whole, a God that pursues us, that he's not waiting for us to come to him, but he comes to us first. A God that says, while you're still sinners, I'm gonna die for you, that is not willing for any to perish, but wants to see all come to repentance. That's the God I believe. That's the picture of God that I want all of us to be able to see. So that is what this passage is about. That's the what Adoption to sonship. And then when does this happen? This passage is interesting because it says that we are adopted before the creation of the world. And again, there are so many things about this passage that just are hard for me personally to wrap my brain around. And so I can't fully imagine what it means for God to have chosen me, chosen you before the creation of the world. Uh, we know that, that God was the Bible says that Jesus was active in, in creation. The spirit was present in creation. We see really all of the Trinity at work at the beginning, making the world and making all of us. And so the fact that God knew in advance that he wanted us, again, speaks to what he was going to do for us, to pursue us and his great love for us. 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10 reiterates this idea. It says, he, God, has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought, to light, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Um, and again, Matthew 25, 34 reiterates this too, um, that, that God's gonna say, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. God has planned this out for the beginning of time and it's such a beautiful thought to me that we were chosen before time began. So we have the what and we have the when and here's the where. I believe that we are adopted and that that is, is active both in heaven and on earth. Our adoption status is valid here on earth as well as in heaven. And I wanna get into this a little bit more in a few weeks because we're gonna be talking about kind of um, the heavenly realms and what it means to have this access to the kingdom of heaven and to be living in the kingdom even here on earth. But for now, I wanted to say that this is like an all-access pass. We have this inheritance that we know one day we will receive in heaven with God, that we get to be with him forever as his child and live with him. Um, but we also, we also have access to God's spirit here on earth. And so a part of, the, of being a child of God means we have access to his spirit that lives within us, that allows us to have peace, joy, hope, love, patience, kindness, Right? All the fruits of the Spirit are, are part of our inheritance now as children. 
Um, and so I don't want us to miss that, that there is, there is a powerful um, inheritance we have even now as children of God and also then in the future. First uh, Peter 1, 3 through 5 reminds us that we, um, we are children who are coming into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, and it's kept in heaven for us. So there is, this, there is this sense that part of this inheritance, we don't even, we can't even imagine yet. We can't even fully grasp. So we have this what then? We have adoption to sonship before the creation of the world, and it is valid here on earth and in heaven. So Why? Why? And I think this maybe goes back to the images we have of God that we looked at in the beginning. Why on earth would God do this? Why would he choose us? What's in it for him? You know, what's, what's the purpose behind it for him? Um, and this passage makes it very clear that God chose us for his pleasure and his praise. For his pleasure. That means that not only God, does God love us, but God likes us. That's, I don't know if, about you, but sometimes that's hard for me to fully, to fully like soak in because I, you know, when I think, when I hear that God loves us or God loves me, I'm like, yeah, but kind of he has to, right? Cause he's God and that's sort of his thing. Like, but if he didn't have to, he really probably wouldn't choose me. And I think God really wants us to know. And maybe someone here needs to hear this, that God actually likes you and he thinks that you are amazing. And he thinks that you are worth being with and dying for. It's for his pleasure. There's something so beautiful about that. John 1, 12 through 13 says, um, to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And again, we have this image that, that okay, where, however we come into being, you know, whether it's, you know, we can say, oh, someone had a decision, they wanted to have a kid or whatever it was, but there is, there is an identity we have outside of any other identity on earth. Um, no matter whose kid we are, no matter who, you know, what we do for a living, our identity is rooted in God and we are born of him and we are his children and he, he chose us. He didn't have an obligation to choose us. He wanted us. And our adoption gives him pleasure and brings him praise. And this is another beautiful thing. When we choose God, when we follow him, when we become his children, our lives become a story that speaks to who he is, that tells of his love to other people. And so even it's, it sounds, it's, it's like this beautiful um, reflection of who God is and we become that reflection of him to the world. And that's really what it means to, to follow God and to, um, you know, we, we talk about bearing witness to God or, or sharing our testimony, but really our lives themselves become testimonies to who God is and what he has done for us. All right, so we have all that, but now how, how, how does God adopt us? How does this whole thing happen? And I'm going to be honest, this is where there's so much mystery around this and there's so much that I think maybe we can't fully understand, but the how is in Christ. Ultimately, the how boils down to in Christ. Um, we know that, first of all, in Christ, we have access to all, like I talked about, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, we, because, partly because God is those things. Jesus is, is our peace. That's what this passage elsewhere in Ephesians, it talks about Christ himself is our peace. We know that God is love he is all these things. He embodies all those things. And so in Christ, we have those things. 
this passage also talks about how um, we have the forgiveness of sin through Jesus's blood, right? So in Christ, we know that none of us is perfect. All of us have lived broken lives to one extent or another. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And in a mystery that, again, is hard for me to fathom, God in his perfection took all of our sin on himself. And so in his body, we are healed. In his body, we are saved and rescued. And that was a cost much greater than someone coming into my house, right, to see if it's clean. God took that cost of death and sin on his shoulders, and he carried that for us because he loved us. And so again, in that mystery, he redeemed us. He called us his own. He stood in our place. And the Bible says also that we are hidden in Christ. When we choose God, when we, when we choose to follow him, um, Colossians 3.3 tells us we died and now our life is hidden with God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. We are in him and also we have, again, the peace and the love, all these qualities that I said that God embodies, we have access to those in Christ. So I want to close out with this main idea. We've kind of gone through a lot of, um, you know, the what, when, where, how. But the main idea, the key focus that I want you to take away is that God chose and adopted us. He chose and adopted us for his pleasure and praise. And so I want to take just a couple minutes here um, and revisit for a moment that picture of God that maybe you started out with. Because if you're like me, even I today, was God showed me that there's a piece of, of him that I'm missing. And I know that there were some things that happened for me this week. And I remember praying to God and just feeling like, I don't know if I want to talk to God about this because I think he's probably going to be like accusatory and he's probably going to like, you should have known better. You know, why did you do that? And that's the picture of God pointing his finger at me. And I think that God is telling me, Carrie, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. If I'm going to rebuke you, I'm going to do it in a loving way. And I'm going to bring you back to myself. But it's not because, it's not because I'm angry and it's not because I'm being mean or critical. And so God wanted to shift that picture that I had of him. And maybe you too, maybe something about your picture of God this week is not quite right. And so I'm just gonna pray for a minute and ask God that he would shift us, that he'd shift us to have a picture of him that is in line with who he is. God, I know we come in with a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of things that we've gone through this week. Maybe some of us are feeling that load of guilt. Maybe some of us are feeling um, far from you. Maybe some are feeling unloved or unwanted. Maybe some are feeling that, that there's nothing they could possibly do to ever make you happy, God. I don't know what their thoughts are. But wherever we are today, God, I am praying for each person that you would move our thinking, that you'd move our hearts, that you'd show us a picture of who you really are right now. Please fill us with your grace and your truth over our lives, God. And then may we act on that truth, act on who we know you to be and act as loved children of you.
And as we're sitting in this moment, I just want to reach out to and say, for some of you, maybe you're not even sure, maybe someone here in this room or someone watching online, maybe you're not even sure if you've ever said yes to God and you think, again, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've had such a, um, a picture of God in your mind that you were like, I don't know that that's the kind of God I want to follow. Maybe you weren't sure if God would really love you if he knew where you've been or, or what you've done or who you are. And I just wanna say, if that's you and if you're, if you're wondering if God could take you and love you, the answer is yes. God sees you and he pursues you and he cares deeply for you. And I would just invite you today, you don't have to say some magic words. It's as simple as saying, God, I, I, I want you. I see what you've done for me and I believe you. Please be with me. Please show me more of yourself. God wants to meet you right where you are. And if you want to pray more with someone about that decision or maybe pray with, God, with someone even after about, about um, anything else, maybe your picture of God or you want to just ask, ask to, to keep showing, for God to keep showing himself to you in new ways, we are going to have a prayer team up here um, always and they would love to pray with you over, over following God, over, over hearing his voice, any of those things. Or any like if you're going through something and you just want prayer for wisdom, for hope, for faith, they are here for that, um, and I invite you to come here. But I'm just going to pray again for anyone who may want to, to take that step. Um, God, I, I know, again, everyone here is in a different place, but if there is someone who just wants to know you more and is afraid to step out and isn't really sure who you are, God, I believe you're someone who shows up, who shows up. You, you were here before we were here. You loved us before we loved us. And I just pray for everyone um, that may be curious, that may want to know you, that you'd show up for them. God, that, they would, um, that they'd see you, that they'd feel your peace in their lives and that they would find a freedom from guilt, shame, from everything, every burden that they're carrying, God, that they would find that fulfilled and relieved in you. I pray that in your name, amen.